Hi, I'm Ty Korkowski, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 41 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. This week, we speak to Ty Kwiatkowski. Ty's ranked inside the world's top 200. He's a former college tennis champion, and he's been on the tour about two years now, and he won his first challenger title earlier this year. I know we're a few weeks into the six-week break that the tennis world has given us, but he tells us his plans for the six weeks, what he wants to improve, and we also talk about his recent good run, his training, fitness, challenges he has, transition to the pro tour, a bit about college. It's a great episode and it was great to speak to Ty. Before we get started, let me introduce myself. I'm Fabio Molle, your host. You'll mainly find me over at Functional Tennis on Instagram. If you have any guests you'd like to get us on the show, uh, send me a message there or you can drop me a mail at ace at functionaltennis.com. Big shout out to our podcast sponsors, Head. Okay, so let's get talking to Ty. Hi, Ty. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, great. Uh, excited to have you on. Tell me, this won't air for a few weeks, so we, we will probably be a bit strange talking about it, but you got some strange news there a few days ago. You, you've got a forced holiday. H- how did you take that news? Yeah, this is a weird time, obviously, for the tennis world and uh, the entire sports world and you know, the, the entire globe in general. But uh yeah, it was a big bummer. I was uh, in Indian Wells getting ready to play, uh, qualifying, and uh, we got the news late on Sunday night that uh, it had been canceled. So um, that kind of spiraled into what are we going to do now? How What else is going to get canceled? Is Miami going to get canceled? And then, yeah, boom, here we are, six weeks. And, um, you know, I have a hunch that it could be even longer. Yeah, how long do you think it will be? I mean, obviously, it's tough to say. I mean, it, it depends on uh, how fast the the governments respond to the threat globally. And you know, I hope uh, you know the that people are able to stay healthy and we're able to get the proper testing and you know the the right things to the right places. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know French Open didn't happen, to be honest. But uh, obviously, that would be a big bummer. So I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, I mean, it's unprecedented. And the only thing we can do as tennis players is try to stay ready as possible and keep training and keep uh, taking care of ourselves and trying to stay healthy and, and yeah, and be ready when the when the time comes. But um, yeah, I mean, it's also time to rest a little bit if you if you can. And, you know, obviously, stay safe. Don't do too much travel. What's your initial? You probably haven't overthought about it, but w- what is your plan for the next six weeks? You know, for sure it's shut down. So do you have a rough plan of what you're going to do? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things I can, I can work on in my game. I mean, I've only been on tour for, you know, two and a half years. I finished college in 2017 and there's a lot of things I need to make the jump into the top hundred. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to spend the next six weeks, you know, working on those weaknesses. Um, you know, my second serve, my backhand, my speed, my fitness, all those things can get better. And um, it's basically we're looking at it as a, like another off season. So if you have six weeks, you know, the first few weeks focus mostly on fitness, not too much tennis. And then the last, the next two weeks, you know, start hitting a lot of balls. And then the last two weeks, start playing points and 
to hopefully we get the we get to continue with the start date of um, April twenty seventh that they gave us. I hope it does happen. Yeah, me too. Where are you based in the states? I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, where where I went to school. Um, my coach is Carlos Benatsky. He coaches me and uh, Dennis Kudla. So we spend some time here in Charlottesville, spend some time in DC. And then I go down to Orlando at the USTA fair bit, Saddlebrook, so I'm in Tampa. So there's, there's no shortage of places to train and find guys. But uh, yeah, we, I'd spend most of my time with my coach and, uh, and now we have Dennis along with us as well. So it's awesome. Uh, so he, he hits in with you. That's a good, good guy to have in the crew. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been on tour a long time, so he's able to give a lot of good insights, and uh, he's just a nice guy as well to travel with. Good person, so it's uh, makes life easy, you know. Great, and tell me, you must be a little bit disappointed because you had a great start to the year so far. Yeah, I feel like I put in a really good off season. I I made a few changes, um, and I I had a good mentality in the beginning of the year. I felt like uh, I played really well. In the last few weeks, I, you know, I was really looking forward to keeping that momentum in Indian Wells and, you know, try to have a good red court clay season. But again, these are things you can't control and um, it's hard to dwell on it, especially when so many people are suffering. But yeah, again, I'm just going to keep working hard and, um, you know, hopefully I can use these six weeks in some sort of positive and, and uh, get back out there when, when the time comes. Great. And I did obviously read and saw that you'd won your, I think we'd been talking at one stage about you coming on the show, but you won your first title. And I, after doing some research as well, I, I'd read that you weren't even going to play the tournament. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't have a great start in Australia. I, uh, lost a second round in Numea in the warm-up tournament. I lost first round of qualities in Australia. Uh, didn't have a lot of confidence. I came home and um had some like a tough time personally my girlfriend broke up with me so i I was like in a tough place Uh, i mean nothing was hurting or like that but i just had didn't have a great week of practice because of that and uh but my coach was like no you should go play because after that i was going to go play japan league tennis and it's easy to fly from la straight to tokyo so he was like no whatever happens just you know go out there and give it your best and i kind of played the tournament like without a lot of emotions, you know, like I, I wasn't getting nervous. I wasn't getting too anxious before matches like I, like I do frequently. And I just went out there and just try to try to play well. And I caught fire after a few matches and I really got confidence. Like, uh, like I haven't felt in, uh, since probably since college that I just, I, I kind of forgot how to lose for a second. And I think that's how, like, that's how runs happen in tournaments when you have confidence and you're playing well. And, you know, I just try not to be too emotional the whole week. And uh, if you look, when I won the tournament, I didn't even celebrate on match four. I just kind of shook hands. And, and yeah, I think that's a, kind of the epitome of the week was just just play every point, you know, and, and not uh, think too much. And it's amazing when you just let, let your body go and, and let, it, let, it, let, it, let things happen, how well, how well it's possible to play. And yeah, that's amazing. And obviously you probably went in there. I'm just doing this, no pressure. Let's see how I go on. I'm going to Japan, whatever happens. And it's weird, isn't it? It's like one of those tournaments where I'm sure you've had plenty of them where you've saved a few match points along the way and you've won the tournament as a junior or in college. It just, it gives you like, I don't know what it does. It just frees up everything. Yeah. I think one way I put it is like you're playing with house money. Like when you use 
I didn't save match points, but like to go off what you said, like when you save match points early in a tournament, you feel almost lucky to still be in the draw and then it frees you up and you just kind of play, you know? And yeah, I, I can't imagine how, how good it would be to play free like that all the time. And I think that's what the best guys do. Like when you watch Djokovic and Nadal and Federer, like I feel like they're always pretty free, you know? They, they don't play with a lot of nervous energy. I mean, I guess Nadal does sometimes, but he's just so good at like hitting through it that, you know, it doesn't really affect him. But you can see a lot of, a lot of guys, even the guys that are top 50, it's, it's hard, to, hard to close out matches. It's easy to get tight. Um, but, you know, that's why those guys are where they are. Yeah, I suppose there's experiences as well. They've been there so many times. They know they can they can get out of it. They're like escape artists. Yeah, it probably also helps that they, you know, at the end of the day, they have a lot of money and a lot of titles already. So, you know. We'll get on to the finance stuff later. You were the best player in college tennis. You had a great career. So you must come from, like you must have had plenty of confidence to, I know college tennis isn't the same as pro tennis, but it's a step, it's a stepping stone. So you must have been stages where you had unbelievable amount of confidence where you went on big runs. How does the college game compare to challenger level? I wouldn't say I was the best in college tennis. I mean, I was, I was certainly one of the best, but my year, my year when we had some incredible players, like my, Nori was uh, left when I left, Eubanks left when I left. I mean, Torpegard was there, uh, Wolf was there. I mean, there were a lot of good players um, when I was in college. And I think the run that I had at NCAA individuals was just kind of not a fluke, but, you know, I just pieced it well together and I was playing again with, with pretty free after winning the team championship. But uh, yeah, I think that. But the highest level of college tennis is certainly at the challenger level, no doubt. The highest level for sure. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so much this year, if I know too many guys in college that I think are going to make it in the pros. I think this might be a down year. Uh, no disrespect to anyone there, but I think like last year, you saw JJ in the NCAA's. You saw paul jubb and i i you know I, when paul starts his career he's going to be great and jj is obviously already doing amazing there's definitely every year i feel like there's one to five guys that you know immediately make it onto the challenger tour and are able to break into that top 250 pretty easily and it's it's getting those college guys to go from to where i am at 180 it's how do you make that next jump into the top 100 i think that's really difficult so it's super impressive um that like guys like nori and mcdonald were able to do that from college oh they did they did a great job like mcdonald came out and was dangerous straight away and and yeah. nori's doing well and you're right uh, i only put up a video of jj wolf yesterday and yeah the reaction is his serves are big i know they go on about his big ties but uh He's, yeah, there's some good players and they're definitely a, a step above, like yourself, a step above the rest. It's just really crazy. But I'm sure there will some will come true as I normally check out the guys on the Cracked podcast for the latest on the who's playing well in college tennis. We aren't, it's not our major focus, but we do keep an eye on the players then who do graduate out of college and hit the big, hit the tour. And you picked up a doubles title last week. Yeah, I don't play too much dubs, but I tr I try to play if I know that I'm, you know, I have to stay that week anyways. But uh, yeah, I played with Dennis for the first time. Like I said, we have the same coach, so it's made it easier on everyone. Um, yeah, I don't know. We just played 
really well together. He's a very, very solid from the baseline. I like to pick balls off of the net. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also fun dubs. Uh, you make a little more income, especially at a big challenger like the one last week. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't put too much focus in dubs, but you know, winning a title is always fun, you know, holding the trophy at the end of the week. Yes, oh, it's amazing. And you saved extra, extra few pounds and it was on Indian Wells, so you would have been well adjusted to the courts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, w- w- our preparation was great. Dennis had a great week of singles as well. He played unbelievable against Sinner. The match was amazing quality. I don't know if you saw it, but um, I mean, obviously Sinner is ridiculous, but Dennis played so good that match. And uh, yeah, it was good to see uh, Jack Sack playing well again. And yeah, I thought all the Americans did really well that week and we were all, you know, looking strong for Indian Wells. I'm sure the draw looked like like an America under 18 USTA tournament with so many Americans in there doing <laughs> yeah. well. Like it was look good. And tell me, when you finished in when you finished in Virginia, what was your ATP tour ranking? Uh, probably like 600, something like that. Or you'd played a few tournaments during the summer. Yeah, I played a few tournaments in the winter break in the summer, so I think I had. Some ranking, 600, 700. It's a good place to start rather than obviously, you know, you can compete straight away and you can take people on. What would you tell? What do you tell? I'm sure junior players ask you for advice all the time, like 14, 15 year olds that want to go pro. What's your advice to them? I mean, I feel pretty strongly about college tennis. There are obviously guys that are ready to go pro straight away, but I think those cases are fewer and farther between, especially in today's game. Um, it's so physical. It's so strong. Even I feel like I'm 25 and I still have like maybe two years away from my, my peak fitness, like where I'll, where I'll feel, you know, fit. I think that unless you're you know, top five, 10 ITS and you're consistently doing well in winning futures and doing decent in challengers that you, it doesn't hurt at all to go one, two, three years of college. And especially if you pick the right program with the right coaches, the right facility, and that really want to not only win, of course, but, you know, I want to mentor you and, and grow your game, that it's a great stepping stone, and especially obviously guys in the US and especially for guys in Europe as well. I think it's a it's a great stepping stone. Our, we have a senior on our team, Carl Söderlin from Sweden, and he's getting he's just finished his senior year, obviously with the with everything being canceled, and he's gonna he's gonna have a great career in the in the pros. I mean, that guy is a, is a beast. He just played Swedish Davis Cup. He was um, the third singles behind the Yuma brothers. So yeah, I think it's a great pathway for anyone looking to make that transition in the pro who doesn't feel like they're quite ready to do it yet at 17 or 18. Great. What's his name again, the Swede? Carl Suderland. Okay, we will we will add him to the we'll add him to the list to keep an eye on. Yes, for sure. This podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. That purpose is also in their name. ASICS is an acronym which means Anime Sano Incorporate Sano, a Latin phrase meaning sound mind, sound body. Today, the brand is still dedicated to that founding belief of demonstrating the positive effects sport and movement can have on our mental well-being all over the the world. They just launched their most innovative tennis range ever, which includes the new Court FF3 Novak, the shoe designed from the ground up with the help of Novak Djokovic. Get your pair now at asics.com. You mentioned peak fitness there. Like, 
how do you explain peak fitness or your road to get there? Is it about, it's, is it a mixture of strength work and on-court and off-court work? Or what defines peak fitness? Like you able to go 60 balls with Rafa? I'm just really interested to know your opinion on that. I mean, I think it's different for everyone. Obviously, everyone's bodies are differently. But I think I've noticed that obviously working my, my butt off in the gym and many hours and lifting and intervals and having my lungs ready is important. But I just found that like the more events that I've played and the more matches that I get at this level, like your body adjusts over time. Like, I mean, there are some guys who are just extreme talents like Sinner who, you know, they're already at that level to be able to compete day in and day out. But for me, even coming out of college, I wasn't quite at that, you know, physical peak to to play 25 weeks a year on the Challenger ATP tour. And I think I've put more focus on my fitness the last six months for sure. And it's starting to pay off. Like I've been showing up to tournaments, feeling stronger, healthier. And um, yeah, I mean, if if you can, if you show up to a tournament and you only feel good for one match and then you feel a little bit tired or run down in the second round, you know, that's, that's going to be tough because the only way you move up in the rankings is, is going deep in events. And that's, that's how the points are structured. So you got to be able to play five, six really high quality matches in seven days. And that takes um, a lot of endurance. And I think for me, it's happened over time. Like every, you know, time I work hard, obviously it helps, but also just, you know, being on tour for a while and, and getting that experience and figuring out, you know, how to prepare, how to recover, things like that. That's uh, been a big difference as well. Yeah, no, that, it's a good point you make. I know that you use Sinner as an example, but as humans, we all mature at different levels, be it our, be it your mentality or be it your physical strength or fitness. And some people mature when they're younger, their fitness and some people just takes a bit longer, a bit more work. So you just got to understand that and go with it. But I also, I say it's a bit frustrating the whole where you, the more matches you play, the fitter you get. So if, if you get a few runs, a few weeks in a row, you probably feel the fitness getting better. But if you're not winning matches, then you're not getting fitter. It's a bit of a catch-22 situation sometimes. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, especially it's tough around in the road and you lose on a Monday or Tuesday and you're like, I mean, you don't play again until the next Monday or Tuesday and, and you're like, what do I do? And a lot of times, especially at the challenger level, the gyms are not quite, uh, they're not a full gym. It's uh, maybe a hotel gym or a club gym. And it's on you because we don't travel with fitness trainers. I mean, I don't. But uh, to to figure out how to manufacture a, a tough fitness because those are the days when you need to push, especially the day after a loss. I think that's when I hit the gym the hardest. Two hours, whatever, whatever it is, whatever my fitness trainer from home tells me to do. And you just got to make it work. With, with what you have because a lot of times you know you, you're not at a full gym and uh, yeah those those weeks where you're not going to get six matches and you're not going to get work like that it's when you have to find it in yourself to find the work in the gym and does playing doubles help with the fitness or is it more of a hindrance that in case you do go long in the singles you're a bit tired then I play doubles not for the fitness I play doubles for either the extra income or the extra nights at hotel um, or if I know I have to stay there anyways you know I can do my fitness before the match or after the match and then play some dubs practice singles later um, I don't think doubles hinders singles too much in at the challenger level I mean it's an hour of tennis you're covering half the court it's 
not too stressful. You should be able to play the dubs. But I do understand um, at big grand slams when when guys pull out of dubs because you know they want to give themselves that full rest day to play three out of five the next day. Keep the energy up. Tell me, okay, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about challenges. We're going to end with some your challenges on tour. What sort of team do you travel with? Well, I travel, you know, probably seventy five percent of weeks with coach my coach Carlos Banatsky. Um, and then maybe four weeks of the year with my uh, physio fitness trainer. Um, her name is Suzanne. Yeah, and when Carlos can't travel with me, oftentimes um, I use a USTA coach named Brian Baker. Okay, he used to be on tour for a while. He works for the USTA now, and he I travels a, a lot with uh, through the challengers with a lot of the American guys. Is he the main head coach now? He is a coach. They have a few. Um, he, so they, they put one coach with, you know, three, four guys and that's their focus. And he's my guy. I'm convinced I read that Brian Baker, he was, yeah, he's named national USTA coach yeah. for the men's tennis. Right. So yeah, I'm not, it's a new role. I, I just came across it there today and I was, obviously I'd heard about Brian Baker. He's a good player when he played. Uh, it's great to have him in your corner. And tell me, when you have a physio traveling with you, do you notice the difference? Does it help? Yeah, I mean, obviously I would love to travel with my physio all the time, but it's uh, just not financially possible at 180 in the world. But uh, yeah, I do I do notice a difference. She's, she's able to warm us up in the morning um, before practice, help us cool down, help us with fitness, watch our technique. I mean, it's just always nice to have another person uh, watching us do that and um is there a threshold where you think okay if i can reach 125 then i should be able to have a bigger team with me every week is do you have any is there any goals or milestones which you think you need to reach yeah i mean i think at 125 i'd be able to have a physio definitely more i mean i think it's less on ranking and more on you know finances because you can get to 125 playing strictly challengers but not making any money so it'd be more just how my finances are. If, if I think it's, you know, worth it, then yeah. And it also helps if, uh, if Dennis wants to bring her along as well, we split those costs. So if we split Carlos, Carlos's cost and that makes it much more um, doable. Yeah, that's really good. And tell me, what, are there, what, what else are your main challenges on tour? Apart from the financial, we could talk probably all day about the financial side and how percentage of prize money is so low for tennis players, which is a big which is a big problem, especially for it once you're outside the top 100. Yeah, I mean, of course, there are challenges. There are challenges to any jobs. But in general, I, I really love the lifestyle. I guess you you could say that it's tough being on the road 30 to 35 weeks a year away from you know your friends, family, girlfriends. But in general, I mean, obviously, I, I wish we were paid a little bit more, but I, I can't complain too much. I, I really love tennis and I, I love what I do. You know, competing is is amazing. That I don't think I'll have this feeling doing anything else in my life. Like the the nerves before a match, the ecstasy when you win, the pain when you lose. I mean, these are the emotions you want to feel in life. So I think uh, I think I'm just really grateful that I'm able to do it, and I'm able to do it at you know this level now, or at least I'm you know able to put some money away at the end of the year, and uh, I hope to you know do it ten more years. But uh, yeah. Great. And tell me, 
you uh, you're not going to go coaching for a while. I saw No Ruben <laughs> is looking for yeah, l- looking uh, for some clients. Are are you going to be advertising? I, I might set up a, a coaching a job website where all you guys can look for some players to coach. Yeah, I mean, I I love tennis, but I don't I don't think I'd make the greatest coach. But I probably won't be doing that. But yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if we're we're not playing for you know obviously six weeks if it turns into two two and a half three months. Um, what a lot of guys are going to do. I've seen a lot of jokes on Twitter, you know, I'm unemployed, time to get, uh, if anybody needs coaching, let me know. But uh, yeah, no, I think, I think I'm just going to continue working hard and, you know, uh, I don't need, I don't want to really want to coach any lessons. Yeah, I don't believe, uh, yeah, no, I sorry, I agree with you. You've planned to take these six weeks or so to work on your game. And you, I read that you went to, is it your mother's from Vietnam? Yeah. Yes. My and you, my mom is from Vietnam. Yep. Great. And you went back over there to hold some some clinics. Yeah. So um, I partner with this uh, corporation and, and club in Vietnam. Um, I play for them a couple times a year in their uh, basically club club uh, club matches. And then while I'm there, I do a few clinics uh, for the juniors there, the kids in the surrounding area in Ho Chi Minh. It's awesome for me to figure out the way, I guess, to, I wouldn't say give back to the sport because it's not, not super accurate, but I do love that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, growing the interest of game, especially in, in, I guess, my home country of Vietnam. I think uh, there's not a lot of sports that happen in Vietnam, so if we could make some tennis players, that'd be awesome. And uh, yeah, they they I love it there. It's an amazing place. The people are also nice. When I go there, it's it's a great time. So, um, yeah, something that I hope to be able to continue to do with with my with my time in uh, in tennis. Great. That's that's really nice of you. And we're going to end this asking you, what's your most memorable match you've ever played? One that's meant the most to you. I mean, it depends. In college, uh, I played a lot of memorable matches, uh, winning our first NC, my first NCAA team title in 2015. We beat Oklahoma outside in Waco, Texas. It was super hot. That was an amazing day. A, a really cool moment last year is when I got to play Kyrgios first round of City Open in a, a night match um, in D.C. because my whole family lives in D.C. I have a ton of friends in D.C. You know, going to school in Virginia. So they all came to that match. It was an amazing atmosphere. And then obviously the match this year, winning my first challenger, um, that was an amazing moment as well. So yeah, I'm I'm blessed to have so many memories in this sport and I hope I can keep making. Yeah, you're only a young lad. You're only a young lad, so you'll have <laughs> plenty more. And tell me, what was just what was briefly like playing Kyrgios? How was that? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, you never really know what to expect with him, yeah. But uh, obviously, he played unbelievable that week. He won the tournament. Um, so it looks like I gave him a lot of confidence from our match. But uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty pretty cool experience. I mean, he had some amazing trick shots that match, some great highlight reel from the whole tournament, really, from him. And uh, yeah, I thought I, I thought I hung with him for two sets. You know, he's just, uh, I mean, he's an amazing player. So, I mean, the only way I'd beat him is if he... If he, you know, didn't didn't want to win that day, did he hit any underarm serves? No underarm serves, but he did hit quite a few trainers. Oh, nice! And tell me, are you an underarm serve guy? 
Uh, I mean, if I had the talent to do it, I would, but most of mine don't end up where I want them to go. So. <laughs> Love it. Well, you know, you, I, I think talent is just a lot of practice. So um, if you get if you get working on them, you could you get there. But no, uh, there's probably easier ways to win points than underarm serves. But no, Ty, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. I hope uh, the next six weeks gives you that time to work on your shots and your fitness to help you get to the next level and keep going with your great one, the great run that you've just had. So yeah, thanks a lot and enjoy the six weeks. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on and thanks for everything you do uh, promoting the game. It's a great channel. So. Thanks a lot. Great speaking to Ty. Great to see that he understands these areas of his games that he has to work on to improve. But I think he's at a good place, finishing college a couple of years in, top 200 in the world. So we wish him the best of luck moving forward. Hope he has a great few weeks training and that the tennis world gets back to normal soon. Don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and family. Word of mouth is essential for us. So uh, please share as much as you can. Really appreciate that. I'll be back next week. Same place, same time. Until then, hopefully you can get out and play some tennis. Bye.